is Bloomberg Surveillance. The overall U.S. macroeconomic outlook right now is very good, and that's why Janet Yellen is moving towards a second-rate increase. I think Brazil is a dangerous place for investors. They're in a proper old-fashioned depression with huge political problems facing them. Near term, this market's likely to remain tight, stay in that 45 to 50 range. But as we move towards the end of this year, this market's likely to start to soften again. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. In never a dull moment, a stunning jobs report with major market moves, and there's been no retrench, retracement rather in the recent minutes. Michael McKee and Tom Keene, worldwide, coast to coast, in this hour, explanation of a stunning report. Futures flat, now negative 10. Dow futures negative 75. That barely describes what we see linked in fixed income, commodities, and particularly in foreign exchange yen 107.60. The 10-year yield 1.72%. And the two-year uh, in a solid, uh, is ginormous the proper word, Mike? 10 basis points, 0.7855. You always go back to that CFA speed. Yeah, it is. Ginormous is the correct uh, word for uh, today. The Forex Brief brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Forex traders focus on tightness of spreads of cost matters. Visit ibkr.com slash forex to learn about their Forex uh, ECN, which includes 14 of the largest interbank Dealers, uh, right now we are thrilled to bring you someone who has been miles out front, pushing against the Hawks. Shall we, shall we say he disagrees with Mr. Gross? No, I would say it's nuanced with Mr. Oh. Gross, but with others, I would say that Professor Blanche Flower has been prescient to use a word from Chairman uh, Greenspan from Dartmouth College, uh, formerly with the Bank of England, David Blanche Flower. Professor, absolutely stunning results. I'm going to assume you have seen them. You have seen this before. How do smart people like you rationalize a one-off like today's report? Well, we've had one data point. We do not know whether it's a one-off. We have a single data point. We may well have more than this. We certainly cannot assume assume it's away. Yes, there is a big standard error to it. But, uh, you know, one data point is pretty important, especially as um, we've heard all these hawks on the Fed say, oh, it's okay if we have some number just below 200,000. So when you have a bad number, you ignore it. And you carry on with your uh, view that the U.S. economy is very close to full employment. I just plotted this morning production and non-supervisory wage growth back to 1948, up to 65. And basically at every other point when unemployment rates were about this level, wage growth was in the orders of 4, 5, 6%. And here we are at 2.4. The answer is this is just different. And when you hear commentaries by John Williams saying there's a positive output gap, we're really at full employment, that's just not true. We have lots of slack in the labor market from non-participants and from underemployment. And what we saw today was a 470,000 increase in underemployment, part-time for economic reasons. And actually U6, despite the fact that the unemployment rate fell, U6 remained the same as it was a month ago. And well above the levels that full employment is. So I've argued this endlessly. And basically, I think the commentaries of Bill Gross and others relate to periods in the past, well before the Great Recession. The common point. Um, well, Professor, the common point, Mike McKee, to David Blanchflower and Bill Gross is we heard Bill Gross say we needed a new Keynes. Bill Gross was adamant about a fiscal 
effort to jumpstart things. Am I right on that, Mike? Did I hear that yeah, wrong? Yeah, uh, oh, but, but the problem is, is we're right. operating in an environment where that's not going to happen. So then that leaves well, the that, Fed. Right. And so, Danny, that, that, um, you, you suggested that it won't, the next Fed move won't be an in, uh, increase. It'll be a rate cut. Uh, do Does that help? I mean, what what are we getting out of rates at, uh, you know, 38 basis points, an effective Fed funds rate or something like that, if this is the kind of number that uh, you associate right. with it? Well, well, Mike, that's right. I mean, I said that this was fingers crossed and hoping economics in December when they, in the Fed, in my view, mistakenly raised rates. And you're right, organizations around the world, including the OECD and the IMF, have talked as you have about the need for fiscal authorities to step up. Obviously, the view is that Congress isn't going to do that. And I keep saying to people, so what are you going to do to prepare yourself for the next shock that's coming? Rates are close to zero, uh, and the business cycle churns, um, and the Fed and the, and the Congress seem unready for what's coming. So I am fearful, as you say, um, about what you would do. Obviously, uh, a rate cut um, would not achieve a huge amount because it's not that far you can go. Maybe you should go negative. But I guess the real point is, so why is everybody talking about another rate rise? I mean, rate rise in June and July. You're just going to ignore the fact that we actually had a disastrous report today. Well, we have two data points. We have a 38,000 job creation, but we have a 4.7% unemployment rate. If you, if, if that was your headline number, the first thing that was reported, you'd be saying, we're getting past full employment and we need to act. Well, I wouldn't say that at all. I don't look at one single data point. I would certainly look at the fact that the employment to population rate is three basis points below, you know, three percentage points below what it was in 2008. Um, my work suggests that we're well, several million people uh, into employment terms uh, above full employment. Um, and I would not focus on those single numbers. I mean, just look at comparisons to the past. If it was true what you said, we should be seeing wage growth in the four or five percentage point range, and we aren't. So I, as, a central, as a central banker, my view would be, you look at this and you say, this is very worrying. I don't know what to make of it. But the big error I would make would be to do what Phil Gross said. A huge error would be to raise rates again. And my finger would be on the button thinking perhaps we should, especially with the risk of Brexit and other things, perhaps what we should be doing is actually storing up some right. um, um, sort of, some room by cutting now. Uh, David Blanchard, Dartmouth College with us. Alan Ruskin, Deutsche Bank, simply says unambiguous highlights of a very disappointing employee. Mike, I would notice, I, I got it here, my eyes are failing me. The surveillance eyes are failing me uh -oh. right now. I had it right here. This is the, the breadth of data. The labor force... The, the, the civilian labor force, uh, professor, has gone from 159.2 to 158.9 to 158.4. We have three months in a row of decline in the civilian labor force. What does that signal? Well, it signals there's actually quite a lot of slack. The danger is actually this indicates that people have been unable to find work and they've ended up withdrawing from the labor force. So this might well, contrary to what Mike was saying, this might well tell you U.S. economy is slowing as the global economy slows, and the danger will be that there are, you know, there are global forces going on. What if on June the 23rd is a vote for Brexit? So this would say caution, worry, single data points, 
but um, there's a lot of slack in the U.S. labor market. And I just think the comments from the, uh, from the bank president is about ideology rather than actually watching the data. And if you look back at 2008, September, this is what they said and did then. They said everything's fine, don't worry, growth's going to continue to be fine. And they missed the big one. So the worry is the same people who missed the big one are calling it wrong again. Right. Mike, the German tenure just broke down to a new low. That is an intraday low beneath the daily close low of months and months ago, 0.071%. It's a free fall off of this jobs report, but it's a little confusing technically, but a 0.071% German tenure gets everyone's attention. Jeffrey Rosenberg from BlackRock writing, though, that there's an overreaction in the market. Okay, and we'll get some of that. We saw that with Jim Vogel a little bit as well. Uh, Danny, I guess it comes back to the – my question comes still back to uh, one simple proposition. You look at the numbers, you look at your theory that uh, we're, we're slowing down. Is the Fed, is the the Fed's interest rate the answer to the problem? Well, if, you, if the only thing you've got is a hammer, um, then you're kind of stuck. I mean, the problem is, as you said earlier, the Congress has kind of you know, gone to sleep um, the issue is, what could the Fed do? And actually, it's limited in what it can purchase. It's not clear that it can go to negative rates. Um, it has some room to cut rates back to zero if it wanted to. But I guess the answer is no, that's not enough. But the worry, it seems to me, for the U.S. economy is that the shock that's coming, the U.S. is unprepared for and hasn't spent any time over the last eight years preparing to be mm-hmm. resilient to the oncoming shock from the business cycle. So you're right. Right. It's extremely worrying. You'd like rates to be 5.5% now so that when the shock comes, you could cut them. Recall that this horrible shock we had in 2008 was tempered by the fact rates were cut, quantitative easing was done, and there was a huge global fiscal stimulus. Imagine if a shock comes which is half as bad and we do zero. It might end up. We got to leave it here, Professor. We look forward to speaking to you as we move towards the United Kingdom vote. David Blanchfar, former member of the Bank of England at Dartmouth uh, College. My capital economics always writing with spirit, quote, that sound you hear is Fed Chair Janet Yellen furiously rewriting her speech that she's scheduled to give on Monday. Uh, we will continue. Michael McKee and Tom Keene with futures in negative eight. Let's check in with Michael Barr now and get the latest world and national headlines. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. Four soldiers remain missing after an Army troop carrier overturned in a rain-swollen creek at Fort Hood, Texas. Five other soldiers were killed and three were injured. Parts of Texas have been inundated with rain in the past week. More than half of the state is under flood watches or warnings, including the counties near Fort Hood. We now know what caused the death of Prince. According to the coroner's report, the pop star had toxic levels of the opioid fentanyl that is more powerful than morphine. Michelle Obama is in New York to deliver the final commencement speech as First Lady at City College. Mrs. Obama will address more than 3,000 members of the class of 2016. The school's president will present an honorary doctorate to the First Lady. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom. And, Michael, thanks so much. BNP Paribas, with a very cautious view, they reaffirm their view for no rate hike this year. That's an outlier call. Michael McKee and Tom Keene, we continue. Stay with us. Bloomberg Surveillance.
Market Drivers are brought to you by Bank of America Merrill Lynch's Global Cash Management Solutions, helping you manage, protect, and invest your global cash wherever the road to growth leads. That's the power of Global Connections, Bank of America, North America, member of FDIC.